Well, praise God for good gifts like that. We're going to read together from God's Word in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You'll find the text on the screen, but also in your notes. Let's stand together and read as an expression of our respect and submission to God's Word. Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to the idols that could not speak. Therefore, I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. This is the Word of God. You may be seated. A few years back, we were uh, headed over to a friend's house uh, to let the kids play in the backyard. And uh, my youngest son was... Uh, about two and a half or three years old, and he spied an object in their backyard that immediately lit him up. It was one of those big wheels. You've seen them, right? Uh, for the kids, it's the little Jeep or, uh, or whatever vehicle that they can jump in and actually steer and drive. Uh, well, my son, Luke, he loves things that can go. And so he went right over to it, jumped in there, and stomped on the gas pedal. But to his disappointment, nothing happened. I saw him jump out and kind of look around, and I think he and one of his other friends decided that they could still redeem it, and they started pushing each other in the big wheel from behind, but it doesn't quite have the same effect. Well, my friend saw this happen, and he said, I've got the battery in the shed. Let me go get it, and we'll plug it in and let him play with it. So he did, and we got it all set up, and he said, okay, okay, guys, y'all can get in there now, and y'all can, can drive the, uh, the Jeep. So they did, and you might have seen what happens to three-year-olds when they first fire up one of those big wheels. It, it looks something like this. <laughs> that full power hit and off they went. And he was excited. Uh, they had a great time playing. Full power makes all the difference in the world. Uh, not just when it comes to big wheels and preschoolers, but uh, for what it means to be human and certainly what it means to follow Christ. We're going to talk today about what it looks like to be a, a full-power Christian. There are many people who in our society, in our city, who, who are living life, well, just kind of disappointed. They've never experienced full power, and they're not even sure that it's a thing that they can actually can taste. There are some who, who are Christians, uh, followers of Jesus, who have, have just kind of, well, they've just kind of given up. They've walked away from the Christian faith because they just felt like something was lacking. And I think perhaps for many folks who show up in churches all across our, our nation, there are many people who are just kind of bored with their Christian faith. But the, the problem is not with Christianity. The problem is with less than full-powered Christians. But we don't have to be that way. Now, I, I can understand because for a season of my life as a, as a young teenager, I was that. 
I was bored with Christianity. I knew all the answers. I had grown up in church, and I could have helped my teachers teach their Sunday school class. I, had, I thought that I had everything under control, and I understood it all. And so what was happening in my heart was moving from boredom to a, a bad attitude. And then my bad attitude began to show up in bad behavior, and I needed to apologize to some of those uh, sweet ladies who had to deal with me back then. But something happened. A, a new man moved into our church, and he started to, to volunteer with the teenagers. And, and I began to watch him because there was something different about him. His, his life was marked by joy. And, and it didn't seem like for him that he was just kind of checking the boxes. Uh, we weren't a project for him. And uh, there, was, there was, well, life with him. And I wanted what he had. I found myself thirsty to find and to have and to experience the kind of life that he did. And maybe you're there or you know somebody that is. And this morning what I want you to do is I, wanna, I, want, you to be, I want you to see the way forward. I want to point you to two keys to experiencing a full-powered Christian life so that you and that those you know and love can, can not be stuck and boredom, and not uh, be tempted to walk away because they've experienced something less. And so from this passage here that we just read, I, I want you to see how it is that we can know a full-powered Christian life. Are you ready? That's close. Um, <laughs> I'll try one more time. Are you ready? Yes. I'm just going to tell you, that room is packed, I mean, out of space, and they just about deafened me when I said, uh, are you ready? So you got a lot to live up to over there. Let's dive in. First key, first key to a full-powered a Christian life is that you surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me kind of paint the context for you here. It's, it shows up in the first three verses of, of chapter 12. Uh, this church, as we have been studying for many months now, they had all kinds of problems. And as we come to chapter 12, the Apostle Paul who's writing this is now weighing in on a new problem that the people had, had asked him about. Now, there was kind of two groups forming. A, a debate was taking off. Uh, there was one group of people who said uh, what it really looks like to be spiritual is that you experience the, the power of God in, in such a way that you just you just can't even control it. You're just overwhelmed. And uh, maybe you say things that you don't really understand, and, uh, and you're, just, uh, you're just caught up in the moment of experiencing God and His power. And that is truly spiritual. And that's what one group of folks were saying. Uh, but there's another group of folks in the church who were saying, hold on a second. When y'all do that, it looks a whole lot like what's happening out at the pagan temples. And so I don't think that's really spiritual. What is really spiritual is that we show that we can sit quietly and under control and think well about these issues, about uh, what, who is God and, and what does he require of us. Uh, we're the really spiritual ones uh, who are, well, quiet and under control. And, and so these two groups say to, to Paul, their, their pastor, they say, so which one of us is really spiritual? Well, it's kind of like two kids who are arguing, and uh, Paul has to weigh in and help give them some guidance. And in his answer, he first points them to a true test for what is spiritual, that 
Well, honestly, it doesn't come from either side. And we need this test because even in our own day, this is a, a real live debate. There are some who are followers of Jesus who will look at this passage and others, and, and they will say that the, the true test of a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, is that one would experience uh, speaking in tongues. They would have an experience of the Spirit such that they would be uh, overwhelmed and moved to utter things out of their mouths that is a, a language of prayer to God. And some will say that, that unless you do that, you're, you're not a Christian. There are others who will say, well, no, it's not that, but if, as long as you, you have thought really carefully about your theology, and you can lay out your five points about uh, what is really the way to be saved, if, you're, if your theology is solid and strong, then you're really a Christian. Uh, others may point to being free to express themselves in the context of worship, and that's uh, what is truly Christian and truly spiritual. And others may say, no, it's if we're faithful to the traditions that have been passed down to us. That's what makes us uh, truly spiritual. You see, we have tribes kind of forming all over our cultural context with people claiming that they've got it. Well, what the Apostle Paul did then, and what I think God's Word continues to do now, is to say, no, you've missed it. If you are looking to those external factors, then you've missed the true test of spirituality. Because the true test of what is truly spiritual is a heart that is so captured by grace that it responds in surrendering to Christ. That's what Paul says is really spiritual. He, he points them here to say, look, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's reminding them of what is most important, and he's cutting through their two arguments. Now, you've got to look at the text to, help me, to let me help you see this. So uh, get your Bibles out or, or look on the note page, because there's two words that help us to see this test. The, the first one is translated here now, about the gifts of the Spirit. You, you can't really tell this in English, but in Greek, uh, you're going to see this jump out because the Greek word that is used there is the word pneumaticon. Pneumaticon. It comes from the word meaning spirit or breath. And that's what the Corinthians had been claiming. They'd been saying, we're the pneumaticon. We've got the Spirit because of this expression. Or, no, we're the pneumaticon. We've got the Spirit because of so-and-so. But what Paul does is saying, okay, about the pneumaticon, remember the charismaton. In verse 4, he speaks about gifts, but he doesn't use that same word that they had been using that he referenced in verse 1. In verse 4, he changes the word. He drops pneumaticon altogether and won't pick it up for several paragraphs. All he's going to talk about is this new word, charismaton. What is the word charismaton? Well, it comes from the root word charis. And you know what the root word charis means? Grace. So what Paul does is says, look, guys, the issue is not the pneumaticon. It's much more fundamental than that. The issue is who has experienced 
the charismaton, the grace gift of God in Jesus. And if you have, then what will happen is your heart can't help but surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are Lord, not me. This, Paul says, is the true test. It's the true test of, of spirituality. And it, it begins to reshape the whole discussion. Think about it this way. Maybe I can help you see it in a different light. Suppose you have gotten into some serious financial trouble. You, you have a house, but you're not able to make the payments on it. You're out of work, and the, the house is beginning to just, well, just fall apart in disrepair. It's, it's just barely safe to live there, and you're, you're getting desperate. You can't pay, and the bank is threatening to foreclose and kick you out on the street. But then uh, a new person shows up and, and says, I want to buy your house. I'm going to pay off the, uh, the debt that you owe on the house. I'll pay the back payments, uh, and so you'll be clear and free. And, and what's more, I'm going to renovate this house. I'm going to do it fixer-upper style. It's going to be uh, nice and pretty, and you can be on TV, and this house is going to be something to, to talk about. And, and what's more, you can live there, and you don't have to pay for it. Now, if that happens to you, is your response then to say, oh, man, that is awesome. Let me tell you what all we can do to this house. And I'm going to give you a list of the changes that we can make, and uh, we're going to keep this carpet. I know it's kind of nasty and ratty and smells like, well, urine, but uh, the dog is gone, and so, but I really love this carpet. I paid for it uh, way back when we bought the house, and so I need to keep it here, but we can touch other things. No. That's not how that conversation goes, is it? If, if you're in a situation where you're bankrupt and someone is offering to pay your debt and let you live there and renovate the house, then how do you respond with anything else other than whatever you want to do, you just do it. And whatever I need to do, you tell me what to do. That is the key. Because don't you see the connection? If God has really done for us in Jesus Christ what he has claimed, that he has fully paid the penalty for our sin, leaving us with no debt, and then promised to, to make us a new creation, to renovate our hearts so that they would look more and more like Jesus' heart. And then he would promise to, to cause a spirit to inhabit us, to, to lead us to things and to activities and to, to expressions that we would never come up with on our own. If God has so richly graced us, then how can we possibly say, thanks, Jesus, next time I get in trouble, I'll be sure to pray. How can we possibly say, Jesus, you can have all of my life except this area that I really kind of want to keep under my control? How can we possibly say, Jesus, I want to follow you in everything, but I really, you know, I'm just kind of attached to this, well, I know you call it sin, but I just think it's a habit and it's going to be okay. How can we possibly respond to Jesus in that way? 
if we truly understand the grace that he has shown us. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is driving these people to. And that's what should be driving us. Do you know the grace that God has given you? Do you recognize how undeserving you are? Not just of forgiveness, but of his presence. Do you not remember the joy of knowing you are free, redeemed, no longer bound, and now adopted as a child? If the grace of God has worked in you that way, how can you possibly say anything else other than Jesus you do what you got to do. And Jesus, you just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it too. The truly spiritual one is the one whose heart has been captured by this grace and so surrenders to Jesus as Lord. Is that you? In just a moment, we're going to have a time to to respond and we'll sing. And, and if today you would say, I have been around the things of God, I've been around Jesus, but I've never known his grace and I've never surrendered to him, then I want you to, when, when the song begins, get out of your seat and come find me or find one of our team. Today is the day to surrender to Jesus because his grace is good and it's enough for you. And, and maybe you've done that and today needs to be a day where you ask God and his mercy to help you remember again just how much you need his grace. Ask him to make you alive again as you rest in his forgiveness. You are made to experience his power that comes as you surrender to Christ. And so do it. Now I just have a few minutes, and impossibly a few minutes, to point you to this second key, but I would be completely remiss if I didn't do it. Paul turns he turns the, the, the page over and he says, there's a second key to this full power experience. If the first one is surrendering to Jesus, then the second one is, is equally necessary. And it is that you gift yourself to Christ's church. He, he begins to list these different gifts in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts. That's the charismaton. But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here's what he's getting at. If, if you want to experience a full powered Christian life. You need to surrender to Jesus, but then you need to connect with his church. I, I have one of these wireless chargers now. 
You might not have seen them before, but the way it works is, is your device that you're going to charge, it uh, gets power and there's no cord. It's like magic. It's amazing. Uh, but there is, a, there is a stipulation for it to work that I have, have learned the hard way. For, for my device to receive power, it must, it must stick to the charger. And I think it is magic as well, or maybe a magnet that makes it hold together. But if I let them touch, then the device will receive power from the charger. They require connecting in that way. They must touch for them to experience that power. Well, what the Apostle Paul is getting at is it's the same way in the life of a, of a Christian. If you want to experience the power of God, then you must touch the people of God. And this is very practical because all of the different expressions of gifts that he talks about in the rest of this chapter and the, the lists of gifts that we see, all of them only work if there is a people of God to experience them together. You see, the problem with some folks is not that they haven't surrendered to Jesus. The problem is that they refuse to connect to Jesus' church. And unless you and I give ourselves as a gift to God's people, then we'll never experience the full power of Jesus. Now today, there are some of you watching on television, and we're grateful that we're able to, uh, to share this on TV, but you need to know that for you to experience the full power of God, you need to touch and connect some of you can't, but a lot of you can. And you need to get down here to, to touch and connect with people. <laughs> and some of you are here in this room, and you've found ways to sort of, sort of skirt in here and then get out with people uh, seeing you or talking to you, or you've kind of found your way around here, but you've not actually found yourself in a group of other followers of Jesus, what we call Sunday school or a Bible study group, and, and you're just kind of, well, you're... You're kind of dating this church, but you've never really committed to this church. Well, that's not going to work if you want to experience full power. You've got you've to get in proximity to God's people if you want to experience his presence. I know that's a lot of peas, so hang on. But you can do this. All it takes is a simple first step of beginning a new relationship, uh, exploring a new group. If you don't have one and you need a, a small group or a Bible study, let us know. Write it down on your bulletin or give us a call at the office. We will help you get connected to a group. And it's not optional. This is required if you are going to experience the full power of God in your life. You were made for this. You were made to experience the full power of God. What will you do? What will you do in response? Let's pray. Jesus, we, we recognize that you alone are our hope. You alone are our Savior. You alone are our God. You have 
given yourself so much more immensely than we can even comprehend. So I just ask that today, would you let our hearts be open? Would you help us to know again the power of your grace, the depth of your love? And would you call us to surrender? Lord, I just ask for those who are kind of on the fence about this, would you, would you draw them by your power to fully surrender to Jesus because of his full grace? And would you make us a community, a family of faith, a, a people of, you, of yours, where we are experiencing the full power as we give ourselves to one another. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.